to thank you, to glorify you, to hear you, to hear your word for us, to be transformed by your word, by your presence, and by your precious Holy Spirit. We thank you that we are your church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. We thank you that you've called us out and we thank you for what you've called us into. Your great plan of salvation. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you that we can stand here tonight. We thank you that we were lost, but now we're found. We were aimless, but now we're ambassadors. We were dead and now we're alive. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do tonight. We thank you for Pastor Tony and the word that you've put on his heart. We thank you that the scriptures he expounds tonight, they are God-breathed. And he shares them for us tonight to sharpen us, to mold us, to prune us, to encourage us. We pray that not one of us leaves unchanged tonight. And Lord, I thank you for the trials that people tonight might find themselves in. We might not do this all the time, but your word says to count it all joy when we face those trials because they cre create in us patience as our faith gets tested. So we look to that trial tonight and we lay it at your feet and we say thank you for what it's doing in our hearts, that it's changing us. We thank you. We do have the victory. We thank you for what that trial is doing in us, and what you're doing through it in our hearts and in this body. Thank you, mighty God. We give thee glory, Jesus. We love you. We adore you and we bless you in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus a hand. All right, you can all be seated. Praise God. All right, kids, you are released. So the kids program is in the next room for kids age four and up. So if you have a four-year-old or upwards, they're welcome to join. If you do want to visit them during the service, please use the outside door. Don't use this door. Now, there is a Toyota RAV4 downstairs. Number plate is CR58JD. So you left your door wide open. I think someone shut it, but it's not locked. Um, 
Was that you, Chris? No? Yeah, not, uh, you know, Scripture, Jesus knocking on the door of your heart. They must have heard car. Awesome. We all good? Enjoyed the sunshine? Chris, you look a bit sunburnt. <laughs> awesome. Well, who's excited to hear from Pastor Tony tonight? Yeah, amen. Lots of people nodding and putting their hands up, Tony. So I think they're keen. All right. Well, um, yeah, let's give it up for Pastor Tony as he comes to bring the word tonight. Hello. How you doing? How you doing? Is that right? Can you hear me? You can hear me without a mic. It's okay. Welcome. Turn to the person next to you and get the pin number. <laughs> Praise be Jesus. Amen. God is good. The last couple of weeks, I've been sharing about the great exchange on the cross. And every time I feel like um, I'm going to move on, God just keeps adding to it. And who knows that you can never exhaust the cross. Amen? You can never understand what Christ did on that cross. Now, we know the basics. Jesus came. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. But the more you dig into it, the more you see the, the fruit and, and the benefit and, and the, the amazing grace that on that cross. And I don't believe we'll ever exhaust the cross until we see, go to heaven and see him face to face. And like that song says, well, I don't know how much it costs until I see you upon that cross. One day in heaven, we will know the magnitude. I don't think we could ever entertain or understand what Christ did for us on that cross. And with the great exchange, the theme has been about what Christ did for us and in return what we got. So the first week I started this series was about his, he took our shame and our guilt and our sin. And we talked about the sin offering that was given in the Old Testament and what Christ did on the cross, that we're forgiven. We know that we've been forgiven, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Last week I talked about the peace offering, that he took our, the Bible says that um, for, for the chastisement of our peace was upon him. In other words, the, the punishment and the discipline and everything that God had to do was upon him for our peace. Listen to this. For the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. It talks about the great exchange. And I use the analogy that if I was going to exchange Australian dollars for American dollars, I would take my, my value of my Australian dollars and I would get the, the value of what my money's worth in the American dollars and vice versa. So whatever I exchange is based on their value. Well, we have a look at what Jesus did. Jesus is valuable, amen? He who knew no sin became sin. So this perfect man exchanged his life and took my life. And then the great exchange is that now I can walk in the righteousness of God because he became so I can become. Can someone say amen? So that's the trend. Now today I want to share about the body of death 
that's been put away. Now, we can all say that we've been set free, that I, I identify with Christ, that I'm a child of God, that we just sang a song there because of the blood, we're sons and daughters, and that we're redeemed by the blood. And there's a thing called substitution identification. Jesus went on the cross, in my he substituted himself, and I identify with his death, which means I get the benefit of his punishment. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin. True? So he, was no, he didn't sin, but he who became sin. In other words, God placed the sin nature that I have committed, all the transgressions from Adam to now and to the future. Jesus took on that and became sin, who knew no sin, that I could become righteous before God. It's through the finished work of the cross. Amen? You're not saved by any good deeds, no by genealogy. The Bible talks about it in Romans. We know man, no man after the flesh, meaning we don't care what genealogy, what history, what's your background, who your grandfather was, where you started. You're not saved by any of that. You're saved through the precious blood of Jesus. You can be Jew. That's why there's no more Jew, no more Gentile, no more slave, no more free. We are one with Christ. Are you with me? But do we really understand what, how, what he set us free from? Someone challenged me one day and said, you believe that Jesus is the son of God? I said, yeah. Do you believe he died for the sin of mankind? I said, yeah. So why is everyone still sinning? If he, obviously, he didn't do a very good job. So I looked him straight in the face. I said to him, can I ask you a question? He goes, yeah. He goes, have you received what Christ has done for you on the cross? He goes, no. I says, then well, you're going to keep sinning. He says, what about all you Christian brothers? He says, the question isn't that what Jesus didn't do didn't work. The question is, do we believe what he has done? See, I'm not basing my faith based on Christians or what I've done. Even in my life, I base my faith based on what he's done. Did he live a sin in their life? Did he die and did he conquer death and rise? See, that's the question. Why don't people, why do people still sin? Why do people do sin? If we're forgiven, that's one thing. See, the Old Testament saints were forgiven. Sacrifice a lamb, a goat, a sheep. They're forgiven. But nothing changed. They had to come back next week and do another one. Or come back next year and do the Passover for everyone to be forgiven. So what is it that Paul's talking about in Romans? Now, if you look, we're not going to go through the whole book of Romans, but the book of Romans from chapter 1 to chapter, what's the last chapter, 12? 16. The whole book is like Paul explaining from start to finish, creation, the law, grace. And the whole book is like a, it's like a barrister pleading a case. And he knew the case. He talked about what happened before, and what happened now, and this is the principle behind it. See, he argued a case. Being a Jew, he knew and understood the law. He understood the Old Testament. He understood what Christ has done for him. See, he argues the case and talks about all these beautiful analogies. But tonight we're going to read on Romans 6, because we need to understand the message is, old things have passed away. What has passed away? What has passed away? Because I believe, to be honest, 20 years in the Lord, I've seen people come and get set free and washed by the blood and their life has not changed one little bit. I don't understand what's passed away. But the Bible says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. So we're going to know now what the struggle is and to understand, see, when we identify with what Christ has done on the cross, then my identity changed that day. See, I no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. It's great scripture. Put it up on your wall, stick it on the back of your car. But do you really believe that your identity has changed? See, I am crucified with Christ. 
That means I died with him. I'm buried with him. And I rise again in the newness of life. So that means my identity changed. I'm not black. I'm not white. I'm not Arabic. I'm not an Aussie. I'm not Fijian. I'm not Samoan. I'm not Tongan. I'm not, I'm not all these things. I am a child of God through the precious blood of Jesus. See, until this whole world realizes and identifies that who what Christ has done and who we are in Christ, we're always going to have problems. Until I identify for what? Because my, the biggest identification I need to do is I'm a son, I'm a daughter, and I'm free. But most people aren't free. Who the son sets free? We love to quote it, but are you free? See, there's two natures on the inside of you. There's the old and the new. The Bible says here in, um, I just gave it, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21 and 22. Indeed, if you have heard from him, meaning Christ, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Christ, in Jesus, sorry, that you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful of, the, of lust. Next verse. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. What is the new man? How do I put off the old man and put on the new man? Is it like clothes? Does it mean that tomorrow, today at church I'm, I'm holy and tomorrow, Monday to Friday, I'm a sinner? Does it mean that um, there's, there's, there's a war going on the inside of me and, you know, I'm just a dirty, rotten sinner. You know what men are like. You know what, you know, mankind's like. Here it says, put off the old man. We're going to talk about that a bit in, in depth because I want to show you the new nature that we have on the inside of us. Galatians 20, uh, sorry, Galatians 2.20 says this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Listen to me. As long as you want to live your way, do things your way, tell God what to do your way, you're still living. Until you know that you're dead and you're dead to the trespasses of your sin, you're dead to yourself that Christ lives in you. Listen to me. If you've been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I live now, now live in, in the flesh. I live by faith. In the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But as long as I want to keep my life, guess what the Bible says? I'll lose it. See, if I want to do things my way and tell God what to do my way, guess what? I still live. Don't tell me Christ lives in you. See, as long as I do things my way, according to my old nature, according to Tony's idea, according to Tony's flesh, guess what? The old man is living and the new man is being suppressed. But when I walk according to the new man, which identifies with Christ, in the spirit, guess what? The old man dies. So you have to declare the flesh dead. Sorry to contrary popular demand. Behavior modification isn't renewing of your mind. A lot of people want you to be, have behavior modification. Stop drinking, stop smoking, stop doing this, stop doing that. That's behavior modification. But if you don't get a heart transformation, all that is in an outward way trying to get to God when you cannot get to God through the flesh. It's only by the spirit of God. That's why he says, Rabbi touched on this a few weeks ago. He says, what's harder? The Ten Commandments, thou shall not kill. Thou shall not touch. You can look, but you can't touch. And Jesus comes along and says, no, if you look at a woman in lust, you've already committed adultery. If you hate your brother, you've already committed murder. 
What's harder? Give me, the, give me the Lord's better. Why would God give us a Ten Commandments we couldn't keep and then up the ante and make it harder? Lord, you're supposed to, there's supposed to be good news. It's supposed to be grace. But you've made it harder. Because God's standard is not our standard. Someone asked me the other day, I'm a good person. I don't hurt anybody. I don't murder. I don't steal. I go, yeah, you might be a good person. You're probably a better person than me. But you're judging your standard towards me. But let's put your standard towards God. Oh, how do I know what God is? Well, let's look at the Ten Commandments. And I went through them all. Did you break them? Yeah. Guilty. Hell. Who's going to be saved then? He goes, that's a good question. No one can be saved through the law. The law shows you that you're a guilty sinner. But grace shows you that he took our punishment and gave us the right to be called sons of God. Amen. Until God changes the nature on the inside of you, you're still a reformed sinner. Until God changes the nature on the inside, allow God to change the nature through faith, you're still a conforming sinner. You might stop drinking, stop smoking, but your heart is not right. And God's trying to deal with the heart because you know why? He wants you to become like him. The Holy Spirit's job isn't to manifest on you to get goosebumps and, and speaking tongues and, and all that. The Holy Spirit came upon you to form Christ in you, the hope of glory. And if you're living in a place of fear, place of condemnation, place of guilt, a place of shame, you're not free. Don't tell me you're free. You can talk yourself into it, fake it till you make it. That's probably good. But until you understand that you're identified with him, you're not free. Sorry, you're not free. But when Christ sets you free, you're free indeed. See, Galatians 2, did I read that again? I already read that. Let's go back here to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And then we'll get someone to read Romans. Romans 6, I'm going to talk about today. Just want to set you free. Because on the inside of you, there's two people having a war. There's the flesh and the spirit. Or you can say this, the old man and the new man. And guess what? They're warring against each other. And guess who's going to be who's going to win the battle? The one you feed the most. We're going to talk about that. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new, which means a new species, which means a species that never walked on this earth ever before. I know that sounds weird. But I'll explain it. Old things have passed away and behold, all things become new. The old things have passed away is your old life. It's dead. It's passed away. But we try and revive it all the time. What else has passed away is the old law that condemns you. We're going to read it in Romans 6. And I pray that you get a revelation of that body of sin is dead. Christ not just didn't go to the cross to pay a penalty you could not pay and I could not pay. He done away with the disease of sin. See, a lot of people don't understand. See, if you sin now as a believer, it's because you want to. Oh, the devil made me do it. Yeah, what permission did you give him? Because it's only you can protect you. You see, what I'll believe, I'll become. And we're going to see this here. So who's reading it for me, Age? Romans 6, verse 1 to 13. Get it out of the way. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptisms, that baptism into death, that, Jesus, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, 
certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Amen. Let's unpack that quickly, yeah? Nothing's ever quick. It's interesting that he says here, you've been crucified with Christ. You've been buried with Christ and you rise with Christ. In other words, I identify with the substitution that Christ did for me. In other words, when I repent of my sin, repentance means I am changing my mind. I'm taking, the, I'm taking responsibility for my life. It's not my upbringing. It's not what happened to me. It's not the trauma. It's not the conditions. It's not the environment. It's my life I'm taking responsibility for. See, when I take responsibility in repentance, my mind changes. It says, Lord, I'm going to put my faith and trust in you. I confess my sins. I died with him that day. When Jesus went on the cross, Jesus took on the Adam nature. See, Jesus came as a man. The first Adam sinned. The second Adam or the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Through one man's sin, death reigned through all humanity. Everybody's a dirty, rotten sinner. Sorry for the French. But we're all sinners. Maybe you're not a dirty, rotten sinner, but you're a clean, rotten sinner. But you're a sinner. We're all going to hell. But Christ came as a man, went on the cross, and he killed the Adam species that day. Are you with me? He was buried. So that means I was buried with him. Adam was buried with him. You were buried with him. And we were buried with him in death. And we rose again in the resurrection life. Now, Paul's making a, a statement here. So you're dead to sin. Everyone say dead to sin. You're dead to sin. That body of death that was reigning in your members. That body of death that you inherited from Adam. That nature of sin. That even if you didn't want to sin, you sin. Because that's what sinners do. You don't know any other way. But Christ came and killed that nature. And said, you know what? Now, by faith, you have my nature. So you don't have to live in that death anymore. But you can, you can, you can resurrect that old man every time you want. He says, walk in. Because Romans 8. Romans 7 talks about the things I don't want to do, I do. And things I shouldn't do, I end up doing. And Paul's arguing this fight that, you know, I want to do the right thing. I acknowledge God's law is good, but I can't keep it. Now, a lot of people have a debate over Romans 7, but I'm telling you, Romans 7 is anyone who's trying to be justified through the law. Romans 7 is about a Jew who's trying to keep the law because he calls him always in the flesh. Flesh to us means sin and, and lust, and that's true. But a man can't keep the law because he says, who's going to save me from this body of death? The wretched man that I am. Then he turns around and says, but praise be to Jesus, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8. He's going from the Old Testament that's passed away and behold, the New Testament becomes new. So now he's talking about the law. The law is a tutor, a master to show you that you're a sinner. But it's one thing to be shown that you're wrong. There's nothing. How do I fix it? And Paul here in 6 is saying this, one of the things he said, you are dead to sin. 
no longer unique to sin. Romans 6, 6, it says, We know that our old self, our human nature, without the Holy Spirit, was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we no longer are slaves to sin. Anything, as a, anything you're addicted to, you're a slave to. Anything that controls you is your master. Because we only got one master. We only got one master. Can someone say amen? Who's our master? Jesus. Do we have the nature of Christ? Then he, we, the dominion is over him. He's got dominion over us in the new nature he put on the inside of us. Are you with me? Let me explain it a bit more in an analogy. This guy had a dog in America. I think I shared this before. and I can't remember. I was trying to look it up. And it was more of a half wolf, half domestic dog that was a breed in there. And he had it since it was a pup. And he loved this dog. Looked after it, fed it, took it for walks. And as it grew up, they had the best relationship. You know, they reckon the, a man's best friend is a dog. That was his best friend. But as it started to grow and get bigger, he started to see traits in this dog. Now, if someone would attack him, the dog would bark and, and, and defend him. He would defend the house. But there was something going on with this dog. As it got older, some of the traits of its nature started to appear. Then as it got a little bit older again, it started to get a little bit more violent and it wasn't really safe around kids. And then it was attacking other animals. And before you knew it, he said, I can't trust this dog now. Even though I've loved that dog, even though the dog's lived with me, even though that dog understands me. And if I call it, it runs, I'll feed it. But now the true nature of the dog was coming out. And now he's like, I can't, it's too dangerous now. So he puts it on a chain and puts it in a cage. Finally, he goes, I can't keep this dog. And he gave it to someone who put it out in the, in the wilderness. What had happened? No matter what he did with that dog, no matter how he'd flick his fingers, it would come. No matter if he said, sit, it'd sit. No matter if he fed it. No matter what love he showed it. No matter what time and how much time they spent. It could not, it, it did not understand the truth of who he was because its nature was to kill. Its nature was to rebel. Its nature was to be violent. And what came out when it matured was his true instinct. But the problem was that he had to put it in a chain into a cage. You know, that's a little bit like what God did to Israel. I love you. I serve you. I freed you. I took you out of slavery. I parted the Red Sea. I fed you. I did all these things, but you don't have a nature to serve me. So what did he do? He gave them the law and to show them, you know what? You can't even keep this law. But I have to get, you know, the law was like a choke chain for him, just like that dog. Why? The nature couldn't keep the law. That nature of that dog could not change. It was still the original nature. And when God said, I'll give you the law, the law was never ever to save them. The law was to show them that that was a sinner and point them to Jesus Christ. Because one day he would take that nature and nail it to the cross. And when he rose from the dead, he'd give you the ability to be born from above. So you can walk in his nature. Is the law holy? Is the law holy? Do we throw the Ten Commandments out? We don't. The law would have can't do the bible says for what the law could not the weakness of the law due to your flesh due to my flesh we couldn't keep the law due to our flesh but what does that mean to my flesh romans he says that body of death was done away with romans 6 7 says for the person who has died with christ has been freed from the power of sin in other words there's a sin nature that's got power and it's got dominion over you. And that's where the enemy controls. Why? It's so easy. What do sinners do? Sin. The Bible says sin is, is good for a season, then itself becomes destruction. See, I'm here to tell you tonight that that sin, 
has been dealt with. Not the sins, that sin, that nature that inherit inside you. There was two trees in the garden, wasn't there? The knowledge of good and evil, the tree of life. Most people, Adam's race, live out of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Do bad people, can bad people do good things? Of course they can. Why? We come out of that tree of knowledge of good and evil. But when Christ came, we eat from the tree of life now. Just because someone, Hitler took over Germany, shut down all the brothels, shut down all the strip joints, shut down all the places where people get alcohol and turned this place upside down and gone and killed 6 million Jews. But he did some good things. Not just Jews, he killed Christians, he killed ethnic groups, he killed, he killed anyone, even kids that were deformed, he killed them. But he did some good things. He fed his people. See, that's knowledge of good and evil. But we don't live out of the knowledge of good and evil. We live out of the knowledge of the tree of life. In the, that's why he says, don't walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the spirit. Why? Because inside you, there's a new nature on the inside of you. If you identify with his death, that means you died with him. That means the, every single problem and sin nature you had died with Christ, if you believe it. But he's still there. It still wants to be, it still wants to be resurrected. Just like the story of that dog. No matter what he did to that dog and how kind he treated that dog, and that dog loved him, his true nature would always appear. Man's true nature is rebellious at heart. Christ could not redeem man in the old form. He had to kill man. So he took upon himself to kill man in the spirit so he could, we could be born again. We have a new nature on the inside of us. Amen? See, the problem is we don't identify with the death. We identify that he died for us. We don't identify that sin has been done away with. See, someone said to me once, the power of the devil is greater than the power of, sorry, he said, darkness is greater than light. Is it dark out there yet? Daylight saving. <laughs> well, there goes that analogy. But if it was dark out there, and how big is it outside? Dark, but here's light. If I was to open the curtains, guys, let's say there was pitch black out there, what would happen? Would the, would the darkness come in or would the light go out? The light would go out. So darkness is the absence of light. See, the more I give power to the enemy and the more I don't close my heart to him, guess what? The, more, the reason why it seems like darkness is winning because we've turned off the light. Because we haven't preached in the gospel. You don't know who you are in Christ. You keep getting told you're a dirty, rotten sinner saved by grace. No, no, you were a sinner saved by grace. And the more, as long as you keep thinking, oh, I'm just a sinner, I'm just a humble little sinner. I'm, no, no, no. You've got to start confessing that I'm being saved by the blood of Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. My old life has died and my new life has come up above. So now I don't feed the old man. I don't whinge and complain and tell, oh, you don't know what I've been through. That's feeding the old nature. But when I start telling you who Christ is and what he's done through my life and what he's done in him through me, guess what? You start feeding the new man. And guess what? Sin gets oppressed. And guess what? It has no more dominion over you. We give so much credit to the devil for things that we open the door to. The first thing you need to understand by identification, that you have a new nature on the inside of you. We just read it three times. The old man, the new man. The new man inside you is redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I haven't got the scripture there, but I'm pretty sure it's Peter says, you have partaking in God's divine nature. 
Don't upset religious people. But you can get upset. I'm just the messenger. That's what Peter said. You can go take it up with him. When you get to heaven, have a fight with him at the gates. I don't care. But he says we have partaking in God's divine nature. We'll never have God's divinity. We'll never be like Jesus in their divine, but his divine nature. What, you know what it's saying? It's saying we partake in God's nature that he walked on the earth with. In other words, the sinless nature in our spirit. And that's why a man must be born again. Does that make sense? We partake now. He comes in. He goes, yeah, I can stop you from drinking, stop you from smoking, stop you from sinning. I can do all that outwardly, but inwardly you want to do it. But what Christ does, he comes inside you first, lights up your spirit through the blood. And now the life of Adam that was corrupted, God gave the spirit to Adam. Adam corrupted it by sin. We inherit that sin nature throughout history. When we come to know Christ, guess what? Adam dies or Tony dies and Janet dies and Dorian dies. And then we rise again in the newness of life. Guess what happens now? Oh, I've got his nature now. It's lit up by the power of the Holy Spirit through the blood. Amen. Now I have a new nature. Now, that doesn't mean I know everything. I'm going to walk around like holy. No, it means now I have to renew my mind every day. Why? To feed that nature. Because whatever you feed, you'll become. Whatever you feed, you become. The second thing is, we were buried with him into baptism. Baptism means I'll be immersed into his death. Then I rise again with him. You have to understand something. The old corrupt evil nature of sin of the old man that we inherited through Adam has no longer power over you. Why? Why doesn't it have power over you? Because Christ took that upon himself and crucified it on the cross and killed it. Because if you don't understand that, forget everything else. If you understand who you are in Christ, I identify with Christ now. Why? Because he set me free. I thank him for what he's done. Now I have to walk in the new life he's given me. Because if I don't understand that bit, I'll still walk around as the son of Adam, not the son of God. I'm no longer a slave, but I'm a son. Christ rose from the dead. He gave me resurrection life. Can I say it this way to you? The Bible says, as a man think he is, so he is in this world. How you perceive or see yourself is how you will live your life. Does that make sense? See, my son, I got, who can I pick on tonight? All right, John Daniel. I always pick on AJ. John Daniel doesn't wake up every morning trying to ascertain, is, is, dad, is, is he really my dad now? Sometimes when I tell my jokes and carry on, he goes, he's not my dad. But he doesn't get up in the morning trying to think, how do I, what do I do today to become his son? Or what do I do there just to confirm that he's my dad? Or what can I do extra today? Or what is it can I give him? Or what is it can I do for him? No, no, no. He wakes up knowing that his identity, that he knows he's my son. There's nothing in his mind that even wavers in that area. But we get up every morning thinking, are we really saved? Are we really set free? The devil's been knocking on my door every day. Does he come after you? Yeah. But the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. See, until you understand your identity then you understand who you are in Christ. Are you with me? Are you understanding that? See, religion is to get to God, but faith is God came to me. Religion is, I want to try and get to God, and I want to see God, and I want to, I want to please God. And then he guess you cannot please God, but Christ says, I come to you. I put my nature on the inside you. I put my Holy Spirit on the inside you, and I'll lift you up towards me. That's the grace of God. See, grace is unmerited favor. 
Grace is also the empowering over your situations and your sin. It's what you give him that determines if you're the victory or not. It's what you give him. You know, I had this analogy years ago. Inside you, there's two wolves. And inside your heart, there's two wolves. And one's kind and loving and gracious. The other one is hatred and murder and envy and strife. Who's going to win? Who do you think the one will win? The one you feed the most. There's two trees inside you. The knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Who's going to win? You fertilize the tree through your words. You see, when you lose your story for his story, when you understand that I don't talk about myself and what I've been through, I talk about what he's been through and what he's done for me, then I start to water the tree. I start to ignite the new man. I start to talk about his victory, not my failures. You know why? Because I'm a new creation in Christ. No longer I live. The devil will remind you. Your old nature will remind you. Your wife, will, I mean, no, your, your in-laws, someone will remind you. I often say, God has forgiven our sin, but Christians, they get scuba diving in and they dig down just to find some dirt on you. God's forgiven us, we're not Christians. So everyone repent for making fun of me, all right? But is it true or not? Am I going to walk in the newness of life or am I going to walk in the old man? That's up to you. That's not up to the Holy Spirit. But when I give myself to the Holy Spirit, he purges the old man. Do you know that your spirit is saved through the blood? Your soul is renewed through the mercy of God, but your flesh will never be redeemed until God gives you a glorified body. Your flesh will always want to sin. Your flesh will always want to rebel. Your flesh will always want to do things contrary to the spirit. That's why you've got to reckon it dead. You've got to tell it, you're dead. you got nothing on me. I'm dead. I'm dead. Why am I dead? Because of what Jesus did on the cross. See, the life I live, no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. Does that make sense? I have to go to Romans 8, but I'm not. Let's go to Romans 8. This is my foundational scripture, this whole Romans 8. I got saved 20 years ago. God touched my life. I was going to take on the world. Then I realized there was a problem. The devil? Nah. God? Nah. Me. I was my own biggest problem. But I had to understand before I could do anything for God is to find out who I was in God. You know what? People want to promote, people want to promote giftings. God promotes character. And this, this whole thing changed my life. Let's read it. Therefore, everyone say, therefore. Now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, stop there. Don't go any further. He's not just referring to walking in your natural flesh. He's referring to a man who's under the law, a man who's trying to keep the law and not sin under the law, and that's called walking in the flesh, like they're trying to do it outwardly. You with me? And he's trying to tell the Roman church, this law that was given was holy, but it cannot save you, and you cannot keep it. And he says, now, don't try and walk according to the flesh. Don't try and walk according to your own means and your own structure and your own mindset and what you think you can do. But walk according to the Spirit. The new nature on the inside of you, that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. He, God has to give you a new nature. Because if he didn't give you a new nature, he can't operate in you. Otherwise, you'd be like Old Testament saints. Holy Spirit, come, do the purpose of God and leave. Holy Spirit, come, move and leave. He could never stay and reside in you. No Old Testament saint was Holy Spirit lived in there, dwelling in him. 
It wasn't until Jesus. Jesus was the first man to receive the Holy Ghost fully and to give it to us after his death. No Old Testament saint had the Holy Spirit. They had a form of it on top of them, through them, out outwardly, inwardly, but never resided in them. And guess, guess what? Jesus says to the disciples, the saints of old or the patriarchs of old long to see what you're about to see. The saints of old are wondering, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, all in heaven going, I just wonder what it was like to have the Holy Spirit on the inside you. They can't wait for us to get to heaven to tell them, what was it like that you had the great Holy Spirit living on inside you? The one that we had, couldn't even go into the temple by ourselves because we dropped dead. The one that, the, you look at it, the whole Old Testament. He goes, but he lives in you. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. He says, you don't walk in any condemnation. Why? Because those are in Christ. We just read in 6, how do you be in Christ? You give your life to him. You die with him. You're buried and you rise again. That's how, you get, that's, that's how you're in Christ. There's no more condemnation. Next verse. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. This law of sin and death reigns through Adam's, Adam's children, our great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. That's the body of death he's talking about in Romans 6. It reigns through our bodies. No matter what we do, we're going to sin. But there's another law that came upon us, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And I explained it this way. Sin is always knocking on our door. The devil's trying to get us to sin. He's trying to arouse the old man every day till the day we get the new body. Just like there's gravity right now. In gravity, what goes up must come down. Remember that commercial on TV? But then all of a sudden, how do we fly a plane then? There's another law called aerodynamics. It supersedes the law of gravity. It doesn't change the law of gravity. It supersedes it. But there's some issues there. The law, aerodynamics has to have a plane with a motor and all these different things. I mean, a bird doesn't need it. A bird knows how to do it. But there's another law upon it. It didn't change the law of gravity, but it changed it. Picture this. This is gravity, and this is faith in Christ, the spirit of life. God, that law still runs around. But Paul says it's dead now. Don't revive it, because the last warning in the Romans 6 is, do not yield to it. Please do not go back to it because it can pop its head up and it'll control you. Here it says the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is overrun and made us free from the law of sin and death. Next one. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. There we go. Our flesh cannot keep the law. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On an account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. If you walk according to the nature of God that's inside you and you're obedient to the Holy Spirit that teaches you and you confess the truth about who your identity is, you won't have a problem with the old man anymore because you're declaring him dead. And then, then you can say, I'm free. Then you can say, I'm set free. Because when you walk in the old man, he wants to arouse his ugly head all the time. It comes with maturity. You see, the next verse says this. Go. Might as well keep going. 
For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnal-minded, which is the, the old man, the earthly, the flesh, is death. But to be spiritual-minded is life and peace. Who wants life and peace? Stop feeding the old man. Stop going back to the old man. Stop going back to the old man that's got some good parts about it. But God's not good or bad. God is perfect in every way. He, Adam didn't know right from wrong in the garden. He knew God. He didn't know what's right and wrong. He just knew God. Are you hearing me? See, God wants us to go back to the garden where everything in the spirit is life and peace. Are you getting this? That inside you, God's given you the capacity to overcome. God's given you the capacity. Why? In the new nature, he's placed on the inside of you. If you can only see what he did, it was like if you could see a transfer on the cross. We were there, crucified with him, died with him, and then when we rose again, he gave us his spirit. Go to the next verse for me. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Our natural mind has a fight with God every day. Doesn't want to know the things of God, the plans of God, the purposes of God. Just leave me alone. It's too hard. I just do it my way. And my, we, my dad did it. My grandfather did it. My great-great-grandfather did it. But it's enmity towards God. For he is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. Your natural mind cannot please God. And that doesn't want to. Has no capacity to. Next verse. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Nine. Sorry. <laughs> we weren't going here, but we're going here. But you are not in the flesh. Everyone say, not in the flesh, but in the spirit. For if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, does the spirit, can I ask you a question? Does the spirit of God dwell in you? Be honest with me. Does the spirit of God dwell in you? 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 I'm not sure about Middle Wind. Does the spirit of God dwell in you? Oh, no, I'm joking, is it? That's another one he's going to get me on. Does the Spirit of God dwell in you? If you ask yourself this question, does the Spirit of God dwell in you? Then, now anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his, but you're his. You're his. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's changed the nature on the inside of you. He just wants you to feed it. He just wants you to spend time with him. He wants you to pray. Go next verse, please. I'm getting excited. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. Here we go again. That sin, that nature inside you, the body of death, the sin nature, the old man, the Adam race inside you has been killed. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. That's talking about your new nature on the inside of you. See, the Holy Spirit won't do the walk for you. Sorry, the contrary of a popular demand. Holy Spirit, help me. Yeah, you're righteous. Oh, no, don't worry about that. Just help me. Nah, he's trying to teach you who Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Next verse. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead also will give, you, give life to the mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. 
But if you live by the Spirit, you will put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. What's the next verse? For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the... If you're not led by the Spirit of God, if you're not operating in the new nature that's on the inside of you, do not call yourself a son or a daughter. You're lying to yourself. You're walking in the old man. But if you walk according to the nature that's placed inside of you, which is pure, holy, righteous, freedom, sonship, then you're his son. Can we stand? Let's finish on that. He gives us a warning here in Romans 6. Towards the end there, verse 12, 13, he says, do not yield to sin. So you don't resurrect the old man. Don't give ground to the enemy, in other words. Can I say it this way, guys? What are, your, what are you prepared to give up to find the love, life and peace in Christ? Positionally, if you're born again, and you have Christ as your Lord and Savior, positionally, you're saved, set free, sanctified, healed, everything, positionally. So what Christ did on the cross is for our inheritance. It was already done 2,000 years ago. He paid for it all. He's just waiting for us to receive through faith in what he's done for us. Positionally, we're set free. We're holy than thou. But reality is we're not walking in it unless we walk in the things of the Spirit. Unless I walk in the freedom. See, I can say I'm free. Oh, I've, I've heard people tell me, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. They can't sleep at night. You know, can I, can I say it this way? Shut the door to the enemy. Close the old man. You know what? I know when someone's free, when they start telling me about what Jesus has done, not what you've been through. The quicker you lose your story for his story, the quicker you feed your spirit man instead of your flesh man, who go a long way into freedom. Were the Israelites free when they left Egypt? Did they not take them out of Egypt and cross the Red Sea? Didn't the enemy die in the, in the Red Sea? True. They were free. They got set free, but they were never free. Their heart was still in Egypt. It's like the old man and the new man. It's like, oh, we're, we're out of the cage, but we're not free. See, I, I'd, rather, I'd rather be in. Paul was in jail. And he was freer than the Christians outside of the jail. Jesus said, no one takes my life. I lay it down freely. He had dominion to lay it down and he had dominion to pick it up again. You know, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And the nature on the inside of you is of Christ. It's his divine nature. And that's what he's trying to teach. So your soul can be refreshed and know who he really is. See, if you understand that if sin has not been dealt with, then what are we doing? We're on a merry-go-round. We're on a treadmill running for hours, not going anywhere. But our faith isn't about that. Our faith is to go from glory to glory, from line to line and precept on precept. You know, the hardest thing for people to understand is that you are free, that you are a son and daughter of the living king, that he gave his life for you, that you're free. You don't have to walk in bondage anymore. Don't go back to slavery. Stay with him. Because he'll take you to places you'll never dream. You'll be a different person. God's not interested in behavior modification. The Jews were interested in that. 
Look at him. He walks around with publicans and sinners. Look at him. That woman's washing his feet. Look at him. His disciples don't wash their hand. It's all about the outward man. But Christ just said, you know what? He's missed it. You are like wash, whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside. Whitewashed means they've been painted white. Beautiful tombs. But inside the tomb, guess what there is? Dead man's bones. I'd rather be rough on the outside and know that Christ loves me on the inside. So you need to understand that you identify with him and your identity is in Christ and doesn't matter where you've come from or what you're going through. Stay, your, fix your eyes on Jesus. He loves you. You're free. Say, I'm free. I am free because of the blood of Jesus. The old man has died and the new man's alive. I am loved by the Father. I'm rescued by the Son. I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. He loves me. I am free from today. I walk in the freedom for the freedom's sake because Jesus paid the price. I no longer look back, but I look forward. No longer look back, I look up. No longer look back, I look in the mirror and I see the love of Jesus. That's who I am. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against me, we do condemn. For I am the heritage of the Lord. I am free. I am loved. The devil has no grounds. He's defeated. Jesus is Lord over my mind, over my heart, over my soul. I thank you, Father, for protecting me and my family for the future is bright because my eyes are fixed on jesus the author and the finisher of my faith i thank you lord that i am free he give him a hand clap amen i love you guys you have to understand how free we really are and if you consider yourself dead, <laughs> he's talking about me. I'm dead. They're after me. <laughs> what are you going to kill me? I'm dead. I'm dead to that world, but I'm alive in Christ. Amen. I'm going to close the service. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know, we love saying these things, come and give your heart to Jesus. But you know what? The Lord spoke to my heart. In a, I wouldn't say it's a dream, but it was just spoke to my heart. I don't, I'm not that way inclined. We love saying, come come out to front or let me pray for you to receive Jesus into your heart. No, no, no. Come running to front and give him your heart. Don't invite Jesus into your heart. He wants to break your heart so he can become like you. We can become like him, I should say. We need, they, mate, they used to run to the feet of Jesus. Lord, I repent. I'm a sinful man. If you don't know Jesus like that, if, if you're using Jesus as a genie in a bottle, you're going to get nothing from him. He'll never reject you, but you'll never get nothing from him. But if you don't know Jesus, come and surrender your life to him. Give him your life. Come and get the great exchange. Go give him your life for his life. Come and get his forgiveness for your unforgiveness. Because he'll change your life. He loves you too much. He, he stepped down over heaven and stepped on a cross just for you and me. So if you don't know him as Lord and Savior, come and give your life to Jesus. Come and surrender it. Let him change it.
Let him give you a new heart. So Lord, I thank you tonight. Your word is true. Because we exalted your word above all names. And we thank you, Father, that the blood of Jesus sanctifies, washes and sets us free. Thank you, Father, that we come in here and we can sit before you as sons and daughters, not as slaves. We come here free, not in bondage. And we thank you, Father, for your wonderful grace. We declare that we are free. Thank you for the blood. Thank you that we declare there's no other way unto heaven. There's no other name to call on to be saved but the name of Jesus. And we love you, Jesus. And we thank you for that. Give you all of the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed. We love you guys. We thank you. Walk as people that are free. Don't go back to the bondage. We'll keep walking to the promised land. Amen.